What should we learn there? That God saves certainly. With unbelievable certainty, you can look at this passage and know that God saves his children out of distress. Welcome to the teaching ministry of Manahawkin Baptist Church. What would you say if everything in life fell apart? How would you bless the Lord? Please turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 for a message entitled Radical Calling. On August 13th, 2013, a tornado touched down in Stafford Township and knocked this building. There were five people in the church when that happened. Now, the National Weather Service later confirmed that that was a tornado. I don't know if you've ever been in a building when a natural disaster of any sort is happening, and it's really scary. Well, afterwards, we had about two hours of heavy rain and flooding, and it flooded the entire area. What was interesting is that many people after this event, including myself, were like, thank God that no one got hurt. Thank God that the insurance is good. And the next Sunday, we we had these custom folders made. um, Bayside printed them for us. We had our worship service outside. We sang 10,000 reasons. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Because there was triumph in that event. It actually ended up being something positive for our church. It brought us together. But I bring it up today because I wonder what would have happened had the five of us died. What if the tornado and the surrounded experiences had ripped our church in half and said people couldn't find that center anymore and it, and it killed NBC? What would we have done then? What would we have said? Would we have sung 10,000 Reasons that next Sunday? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Would we have said, bless you, Lord, you are so good, as we watched everything we've been working towards start evaporating in front of us? It's hard to bless God when things are not going well in our lives. But the truth that I want us to learn today is we bless God as Christians in good and in bad. Not because the situation is pleasing to us, but because God is with us. Psalms 34. This is a psalm of praise to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And now the story of deliverance. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. And now, the, story, the invitation and calling. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So how, does, how do we fear God? Here he tells us. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The benefit of hearing God. (laughs) The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. 
The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And finally, the result. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. That is a beautiful psalm. One certainty that you have from reading this psalm is this. God will save the righteous. God will save them. It is certain. God will save. You can depend on him to do this. Sometimes we feel like suffering calls us not to be able to be heard by God. It is not true. God hears everyone in every sort of circumstances. So we find in verse four, it says, he answered me, verse five. Uh, I'm sorry, verse six. The Lord heard him and saved him, verse seven. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Verse 17, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near the, bro- the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Verse 18. Verse 19, the Lord delivers them. Verse 20, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants, and none of them who take refuge in him will be condemned. What should we learn there? That God saves certainly. With unbelievable certainty, you can look at this passage and know that God saves his children out of distress. Who does God save? It's the person who fears the Lord. And that person is righteous before God. You see this in verse 7 and 9 through 12 and then 15, 17, 19, and 22. But you can be sure, based upon reading this, that God most certainly will save you out of your trouble. And here's the other observation, another observation. Certainty that people will suffer. You will suffer. You will. The person that this passage is describing is in profound trouble. They need deliverance and are afraid. Verse 4. They are ashamed. Verse 5. They are a poor person who is in serious trouble. Verse 6. They are entrapped by enemies. Verse 7. They are homeless and without any provision. Verses 8 through 10. This is a person who's crying out to God for help. Verses 15 and 17. This person is brokenhearted, verse 18. This person is crushed, also verse 18. Afflicted, and then probably dead. And the the passage ends with an unbelievably strange blend and conclusion. It's a remarkable blend of the ecstatic promises of God for deliverance, the probability of death and suffering, God's care over our physical body and soul, and the assurance that God will save his people who suffer. Let's read verses 19 through 22. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Verse 21, affliction, the same sort of afflictions that we have that are many, those afflictions will slay the wicked, and those who hate righteousness will be condemned. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Certainly, you will suffer. Whether that's for righteousness or something else, whether it's because your body is eroding or you get in a car accident on the way home, you will suffer in this life. 
You will. Suffering is not an indication that you have no relationship with God or that he's far away. Suffering is not an indication that you're being punished. Suffering is not an indication that your faith in God is useless. The suffering is an indication that you live in a broken world. Guess what? I woke up this morning, I fell, and I broke my finger. What does it tell me? Oh, I should have had more faith. No, it tells me I live in a broken world where things break. You will suffer. Welcome to church this morning. All sorts of exciting... <laughs> You will, but it's not an indication that God is far from you. In fact, the passage shows the exact opposite. Think about the unrighteous in this passage. Why are they destroyed in the end? Verse 20, he keeps all their bones, not one of them is broken. But, verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Why are these people dying? Why are these people broken? Because no one's there to advocate them in the end. They are doomed because they don't have anyone to save them, unlike you, the righteous, who have a God who saves them. Observation number three, you can become righteous before God. You don't have to expect your end to be dismal like the unrighteous. You can become righteous before God. But Psalms 34, 8 through 14 really pours into that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Young lions suffer want hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Notice the combination of hunger and lack. You come to the Lord with nothing, and you receive unbelievable satisfaction. And this is in the midst of suffering. He's not ignoring the suffering you're going through. This is smack in the middle of the suffering you're experiencing. Then he says in verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me. What man is there who desires life and loves many good things that he may see good? Basically, that question is a very poetic way of saying, Who wants the good life? Raise your hand if you want the good life. I do. Who wants to see a long, good, happy, healthy life? I do. What do we do then? You keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And where does that come from? It comes from verse 11. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is that submission that says to someone, you are my king and my God, I'm gonna bow before you and do what you say. I put my trust in you. That's the fear of the Lord. And you can become righteous See, we come with lack, and he gives us supply. We come with unrighteousness, and he gives us righteousness. And so David gathers us around as if we're children and says, children, do you want to live well in this world? Do you want to see good eventually? And we're all supposed to raise our hand like children and say, yes, yes, we do. And then he says, I will teach you how to fear the Lord. All the while, the children hear the the bomb blasts outside. They see the decay around them. And David pulls them away from all that for a second and says, I will teach you how to survive all of this. Fear the Lord. Here's how. The righteous most assuredly will suffer, but God protects them. They will escape. Fear God and be righteous. That's what David tells us. You most assuredly will suffer. It is not an indication that God is bad. It is an indication that you are in a world that is not presently good. And so... What do we have for hope? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Make it better. Well, what if you can't? What if your bootstraps broke? 
What if you can't stand up to pick yourself up? What do you do then? Do you rely on yourself? Fall down miserable? Or do you say, God protects me and I will escape? You most assuredly will suffer, but you can be saved. God most assuredly will save his children. And so, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 12. You walk into this room right now. In this room presently, one man says, my wife was healed of cancer. Praise God! The man sitting next to him, his wife's body is not responding to treatment, and she's in trouble. What does he say? One man says, I found my rent money. Praise God, I won't get kicked out of my house. The Christian family of four next to them says, we, can't ha- we haven't found anything, and our landlord is currently throwing our stuff outside the house to kick us out. We're homeless now. What do they say? One person says, worship was great tonight. Glory to God. The Christian teenager next to this person says, I feel like I'm struggling to breathe, and you all around me were feeling something, and I didn't connect with that. What does that person say? One person prays for safety in their travels and gets it. Praise God, they say. We made it. The other person is in a wreck halfway and is in critical condition in the hospital. What do they say? If our response is based upon our situation, then they have very different answers. Now imagine you're Peter and you're writing to churches that are filled with people who are followers of Jesus and impending upon them like a looming cloud coming over them is persecution. It's coming. You see signs of it popping up, but soon it's going to come in mass. Christians will be persecuted to a profound degree. Many people will lose their lives for, their, for the sake of the gospel. What do you say to people who are in that situation, who already have peppered throughout their life little places where evil has been pushed upon them because they are followers of Jesus Christ? What do you say to them? How do you teach them to praise the Lord? What do you say that will help them understand that most assuredly they will suffer, but that God is with them through it all? And that theirs is the responsibility to do good in this life. And no matter how hot the suffering becomes, God will deliver them. So do good. How do you say that? Well, you cheat. You quote Psalm 34. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and following. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For, here we go. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you see what he did? Whenever you see a large block in your Bible that's from the Old Testament, stop and read that whole chapter just to get your mind saturated in what in the world he's talking about. Because out of nowhere, this, this passage seems to just plop right in. But because we read it, now we know why he says it. Dear children, persecution is coming over you. You most assuredly will suffer. But if the Lord is with you, you most assuredly will escape. So how do you live now like a righteous person? By quoting Psalm 34, he has brought all of the reality of Psalm 34 into their situation. 
And you imagine these people grew up probably reading the Old Testament Psalms. They know what these things mean. They know what David's story was. They know that God will most assuredly bless and honor and save the righteous. They know that because of this passage, we know that God takes people with nothing and gives them everything. We know that because of Psalm 34, God will see them through everything. Even if they die, God will see them through to the other side. You know that. And so so Peter, like a brilliant writer, pulls all of that meaning into this passage and says, so now, because you know how good God is, live this way, people. Live in such a way that a righteous person would live as someone who would fear God. So he starts off in verse verse eight and he says this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Be humble, do good, love one another. That's what a righteous person does. And then he tells us something horrifying. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Why not, Peter? But on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. What? I was called to bless people who are actively trying to do harm to me? Yes. Yes, in fact, you are. I'm called by God to bless those who are hurting me? Yes. Yes, in fact, you are. Who can do that, though? Has anyone stopped and asked, Peter, what world do you live in? Peter, you've got to be kidding. Don't repay evil for evil. Peter, you've got to be kidding. Don't revile when you're reviled. Peter, you've got to be kidding. When someone hurts you, bless them back. Peter, you are out of your mind. Why would you say that? Because you have been made righteous. And many are the afflictions of the wicked, but the Lord saves them out of all of them. Do you want the good life? Sure you do. Fear the Lord and be righteous and let the Lord lead you through the suffering that you are now experiencing. This reality of Psalm 34 is still in existence when someone is spitting in your face and you don't spit back. Do good when other people are doing evil, he says. Not based upon the fact that you have so much goodness to offer and you can pull it all together, but because God is with you. Because God is with you, you can pull this off. And remember, he's teaching them how to be good witnesses for Christ. What's a good witness for Christ look like? Well, they look like Christ, namely. What did Jesus do while he was here? Well, when he was reviled, he didn't revile back. When someone mocked him, he didn't mock back. When they yelled at him, he didn't yell back. He trusted himself to God, who is the judge of all things. And we are called to do the same thing, to do good while we're persecuted. Why? Because God is with us. God is with us. That's the reason you can do this. That's the reason you can bless in the midst of persecution. That's the reason, not because you have some wherewithal as a spiritually minded person, but because God is with you. Because God has promised to see you through the nonsense of this life. It might get worse. It might get hellishly worse. So what's your hope? That it gets better? No, it's that God is with you. This is a radical calling. Bless and trust that God has the righteous. Do you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And have you been given smack this past week or recently for knowing him? Bless back. And don't do that because you just mustered it up. 
believe on a deeper level than ever before that God is with you. There's nothing in hell or in heaven that could separate you from that love. And because God is with you, you can bless and not revile back. The difference in this radical calling is not us radically saying, I'm gonna be a super Christian. It's us saying, God is a super God. And he's with us. And because he's with us, I can do something that I would have thought before was impossible. But my coworker keeps on stealing my clients. Bless and do not revile. Do good. But they fired me on unjust causes. Bless and do not revile. When I was um, in college, a missionary came to our school. It was one of the most transformative messages I've ever heard. All he did was come into our class. It was a Christian college. He came into our class and gave a devo. And he described working in missions. Now, in missions emphasis week at this college, we were supposed to walk away with a glow about how missions was everything and all things. Well, this guy stood up and said, I'm not going to lie to you. Missions ruined my life. And we were like, wow, you represent a missions organization. That's what you're saying? He said, and he told us this story. His marriage was hanging on by a thread. They barely made it as a couple because the pressure was so intense. They were in a persecuted country and they were constantly afraid for their lives. You can't absorb that much stress into your life for 20 years and not come out unscathed. Well, their daughter completely rejected God. Completely was living a life of profound immorality and profound hatred to the living God. He said, that's what missions gave me. And the church that we built has since been destroyed and there's nothing to show that we've been there for 20 years. And in tears he said, so what do you do? Do you sit back and you say, life is the worst, I'm done with it? Or do you say, God is sovereign and I will trust him? I had never heard anything like that before. A pastor who sits down and says, doing ministry at this church ruined me, but God is sovereign and I love you still. Who can, who can do this though? You can. Who's big enough for this? You can. Not because you're great, because God is with you and he's great. You can go this week into the most perplexing circumstances and you can bless and do good. You can say bless the Lord in good and in bad and happy and in sad because you have God with you. The eyes of the Lord are on you. If you're anything like me, sometimes it can feel really difficult to share the good news of Christ with someone who's going through a hard time. We can sing these songs in our churches, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. 
And it sometimes feels like the suffering of this life disproves the validity of genuine worship to Christ. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, I don't know if I can share the good news of Jesus Christ right now because these people are suffering and I don't wanna negate their suffering. What does it mean to tell them about a savior who loves them in the middle of their crisis? Well, I wanna encourage you, friend, that God's love is the kind of love that enters into crisis. It's not the kind of love that is broken by the presence of a bad situation. In fact, the exact opposite is true. We look at the story of Jesus Christ and we see a savior who came and entered into the broken places of the earth. Even John the Baptist, when he was in prison, was scared and sent his disciples to find out if Jesus really was the one. What did Jesus say? The blind received their sight. The lame have been healed and blessed is anyone who is not offended of me. Central to Jesus' mission and message was his entrance into the brokenness of humanity. And that's good news for us. Because God is not afraid of standing alongside us as we suffer even experience extreme suffering for his name's sake. I don't know what you're going through right now. Are you going through a really hard time, something that's breaking you, something that's challenging your soul? Guess what, friend? Jesus Christ walks with you through these things. You can reject evil and do good to the glory of Christ because God is the kind of God who enters into evil and subverts it. So that the final outcome of all evil, and I don't know how this works, but this is going to be amazing. At the end of the day, everyone will be able to look at the Savior and say, he did it. He did it. He saved the day. Who can help people who are desperate? Who reaches into the muck and mire and finds people there? Our God does. When the suffering of earth gets to a place where it feels like it would break you our God shows that he is strongest so be encouraged and trust the Lord as always we encourage you if you are a Christian and you are not attending a church find a local assembly find a local church where you can go and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ there find someone and if you're in Southern Ocean County and you don't have a church please we'd love to see you at Manahawkin Baptist Church our address is 400 Beach Avenue in Manahawkin you can find more information about us on the internet at manahawkinbaptistchurch.org. And now may the God of glory, the Lord of love, who has called you with his eternal calling, comfort you as you go through suffering. You have been given a radical calling, my friend, but the God of glory is walking with you. So trust him and look to him. He will keep his promises to you. Have an awesome week. <laughs>